91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. another episode of horror movie night we've already done one podcast this year that like just barely made it into the unwritten rule of 10 years before we talk about it but brian's back with house of the devil that just turned 10 years old only two years ago house of the devil a cult film by ty west his first film brian why did you pick House of the Devil. Because it's everything I want. It's Michelle Branch. <laughs> it, it's a cult movie. And like I know that it takes place in the 80s, but it's oh, got 70s sure. aesthetic 100%. Like if you took if you took the title card and showed it to someone just that, they would assume that it was a movie from the 70s. It's kind of smart because I, I believe it's supposed to take place in 83, which is like right on that borderline. It's before like the full 80s mm-hmm. aesthetic took over. But, like, just before the 70s aesthetic fully died out. It's a good way to kind of play both the grindhouse strengths and, like, get that 80s nostalgia in. Yeah. I will say after watching it, this is, like, kind of, like, the same thing as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. Where, like, I love love both these movies and I love to watch them. But it's really – I'm only there for the third act. Yeah. I don't mind that it's a slow burn. But you had texted us yesterday where you were like, hey, I just started House of the Devil. Can we put it off? 
And I was like, well, you got 30 minutes. Like, you only really need the last 20 minutes to talk about. Because it is very slow getting where it's trying to get to for most of the movie. But it, it's fine. It builds good tension during it. It's it's interesting, but it is a very slow burn to get to that third act. Yeah, but I would have missed. I'm glad that I didn't listen to you. Because, like, literally, I was like, maybe I should fast forward. And I didn't. And right when I didn't fast forward, it was right after her friend leaves the house after dropping her off. Uh, I mean, that scene, that scene is great, but that scene is like one of those things where you can feel the writer suggestion note of like, you need something interesting to happen in the first like 20 minutes to keep people invested. Mm -hmm. Cause I wonder if that moment didn't happen the first time I watched this movie, would I have made it to the end of the movie? Or would I have eventually gotten bored and turned it off? Good question. Here's the thing is that, yes, I, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was pulling a Brian. I like this movie. I let it wash over me, except for literally the two kills, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like when, when her blonde friend gets murdered, shot in the fucking head, which the first time I watched it, I was like, holy mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah, oh you my know, God. Like it, sort of, it was, so this is kind of embarrassing because I haven't seen this since it like, first dropped on netflix in 2010 so it's been a good 10 years since i watched yeah, it yeah it's probably been about eight since i watched it myself and i remember that she gets shot and i remember that it was unexpected so when she pulled over i like am laying in bed like tensing up like all right kelly prepare yourself you're gonna jump because there's gonna be a loud noise just be ready for it I completely forgot that a guy came over and talked to her for a little bit. Like, I literally thought it was as simple as, like, she waits for the cigarette thing to pop out and all of a sudden her head explodes. (laughs) No, man. And that's the thing about this movie is that how long of of a conversation can we have or how long do you want to talk about House of the Devil before I start discussing it in reference to the innkeeper. Well, I like this movie too much, so so you can just start now because I don't have much to say. Oh, yeah, I forgot that when when Brian likes something, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. say anything. That's so, why Jay's never heard him speak. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's a few things I want to bring up. We already covered two of my three notes, or two of my five notes, uh, so three remain. Uh, obviously, we, we mentioned that it's shot to look like an 80s movie, shot on 16mm, which is kind of a cool aesthetic. I, I appreciate that. And the set dressings are so good, dude. Yeah. But my They're notes really are both musical in nature. First one is, is it just me or the intro music when she's walking and it's like doing the old school credits? Does it feel like it's a weird instrumental version of moving in stereo by the cars? Because that's legitimately what I thought it was. And I had to look it up to confirm that that is not what is being played while she's walking. I don't know that song. So. It's, it's the song in Fast Times at Ridgemount High where she gets out of the pool and takes off the top. So it's that like, <laughs> it's a very famous Cars song. I'm sorry that I have only ever watched that scene for Phoebe Cates and not the Cars. <laughs> well, you that's know? the only thing I know about it. <laughs> but then the other thing is that her friend, who's played by Greta Gerwig, who went on to make uh, Lady Bird, she's listening to the song, The Breakup Song, in her car by the Greg Kahn band, who also had a hit with uh, My Love's in Jeopardy. But for years, years, I thought it was a Tom Petty song. And I liked it so much and thought it was a Tom Petty song and bought Tom Petty's Greatest Hits for that song, which was not on Tom <laughs> Petty's Greatest Hits. <laughs> but yeah, it's that... Like, that's... The main thing that people know it for. So I was trying to Google the uh 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 song by Tom Petty, and uh, no you, luck, no luck on that. Yeah, you know what really is like like sucked about our generation is we would hear a song 
that like vaguely sounded like someone else's song, but that means other people thought it was someone else's song. So when we would search the song with the band we thought it was on LimeWire, it would come up. So then we could go through life thinking like, oh yeah, that's who sings that. I still don't know who did the ska cover of Brown Eyed Girl because it said it was Real Big Fish, but I don't think it was Real Big Fish. Yeah, no, I there's a- And there's the Tetris a- ska cover that they said was Real Big Fish. I'm pretty sure that wasn't Real Big Fish. Yeah, no, there's a anything that was ska was Real Big Fish. Anything that was male vocal pop punk was usually Blink-182 or Pennywise. Or Newfound Glory. Or Newfound, or they would just be like, me first and Gimme Gimme's probably covered it. <laughs> just, oh, oh, yeah, dude, you're right. A lot of it was me first. <laughs> oh, man, that's and then, so yeah, funny. Any female front it punk cover, it was like, this is no doubt. It didn't matter if it sounded nothing like Gwen Stefani. Well, that's like, I downloaded a song that is very much not Weezer, but it was listed as Weezer. That was a parody of Let's Go to the Hop called Let's Go Smoke Some Pot. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And even if you listen to it, you're like, who would ever think this was Weezer? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, even when I downloaded it, I was like, I don't think this is Weezer. <laughs> oh, LimeWire. So many lies. I mean, I didn't use LimeWire. LiWire. I've talked about this before. Audio Galaxy was the the sharing website or whatever. I mean, it's, it used it used like magnet torrenting, I think, but it wasn't like a stand a standalone app I, like LimeWire. I went through the I went through the waves of Napster. Then Napster went away. Then I went into LimeWire. Then LimeWire went away, and then it was FrostWire. And I think that was the last one I <laughs> yeah. used. Yeah, Uncle Rich told me about FrostWire. Our uncle set us on a weird path but he would also burn us like he would burn us cds he'd be like hey i'm gonna burn you a cd and then he would hand us like a data disc and it would just be like every album by a specific artist on one disc and we're like oh dope. yeah no he would do I weird stuff pick so here's everything. yeah he no he did burn me he used to piss me off he burnt me a uh, black sabbath cd that i wanted and i can't remember which one it was but however he downloaded or burned it it was one track so it was every song on one track. I mean, but you could have, oh, I was about to say, you could have broken those tracks up and then I remembered who I was talking to. Yeah, I still don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Scott, I think what we're saying is I finished my notes. Brian probably doesn't have any except for this movie's perfect. So go ahead and do I your thing. Notes. Like, do I don't your thing you about the, the Innkeepers, even though I am a fan of the Innkeepers and I, I actually will never probably understand. like the Innkeepers more than this movie, but whatever. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, the innkeepers is so bad. I just, I like it. I like a. I don't, I don't accept that. I like I a dialogue-heavy film about two people hanging out in a haunted hotel. You just, <laughs> I know why you fucking like because it's that like movie. a Kevin Smith horror movie. It's what I want out of a Kevin exactly. Smith horror movie. Yeah, I know what else you want. You want to be the dude in it. Yeah, well, I mean, Pat Healy seems like a very nice person. <laughs> no, it's. I don't mean the the person. I literally mean the fucking. You want to you you be I'm the tra- guy tra- who's got a girl that he is stuck with in a, in a haunted... Yeah, This okay, this is what it is. Matt in the Haunted Mansion with a manic tri- pixie dream girl. That's with what Sarah- the innkeepers... And nothing happens, and it's super boring. With Sarah boring. Paxton, man. Sarah Paxton's great. <laughs> it doesn't matter that Sarah Paxton's great. It doesn't change the fact that that movie has no fucking script, and I can't stand it. I do want to watch his first movie. 
and maybe do it for the show. Oh, we did. Wait, what's what's the first movie? The Roost. That is a pretty solid. Oh, cover. the Roost. Oh, the killer rooster or something. I I've watched it. It's it, or oh no, it's bats. It's bats. It's so bad. Are you sure that's it? Dude, it's starring it's, Tom Noonan. Are you sure that because it says it's terrorized by various creatures and zombies? I think that they're bats. I do see some bats. I see some bats in the pictures. And every other cover looks like it's just bats. So I think Scott did see this already. <laughs> <laughs> I know I saw it. It's just so bad. What's your standings with Ty West? Do you think he's kind of a one and done, or has there been other movies he's done that that hooks no, you, he's, Scott? No, he's, he's a one and done, my friend. And that's the thing that fucking bothers me so much, is that he made such a good movie with House of the Devil, and then pissed away all that goodwill immediately. He fought, There is a movie, people don't talk about this much, but there is a movie by Ty West that came out after House of the Devil, but before The Innkeepers. It's one that he asked his name to be taken off of, but that is Cabin Fever 2 Spring Fever. Oh, yeah, that's not terrible either, dude. <laughs> that's sarcasm. It was fucking terrible. That movie's really bad. At least that one he had the... He was like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have my name on this. Well, he did star in a good movie. If I want to give him another compliment, he was in You're Next. Is the main girl in House of the Devil also in You're Next? I can't remember. She was not in You're Next. But she okay. was in All the Creatures Were Stirring. Good for her. But anyway, so no, I don't. I think that he had a lot of goodwill from this movie, and he pissed it away with the innkeepers, and apparently also Cabin Fever too. Spring Break. The thing that sucks, Ty West is one of those dudes who falls into this category where like I'm not the biggest Ty West fan in general, but every like interview I've ever heard with him, I'm like, you seem like you'd be a really nice guy to meet. Like he just seems like a very like down to earth guy. Yeah, he's like the exact opposite of uh, Adam Green, right? Adam Green seems like he. I think it's like good bad day with him. Like, but Ty West always seems cool. Sacrament was Sacrament any good? I don't know. That's the one that that's a cult movie, right? Another found footage. Oh, it's found footage. I don't know why I thought I thought he was who did the ritual. I don't know, but I liked it. I I liked the ritual a lot. No, the ritual though. That's the thing. Is the ritual was on uh, Netflix. Yeah. So. And that's also not a found footage movie, is it? No, but I feel like uh, I don't know why I thought he was associated with so it. So here's why I assume the sacrament might have been good is I decided not to click on it. So if you're looking at IMDb on a phone, the main guy on the cover looks like John Goodman. But then when you click on it, you realize it's not John Goodman. Gotcha. And I just checked. Yeah, the guy who did the ritual, unless like Ty West produced it, the guy who did the ritual did VHS and Southbound. What was that awesome cult movie on Netflix? I think Scott liked it a lot too. Oh yeah, that that, that one with the guy from Legion and I think it's actually called Pilgrim, isn't it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apostle. Apostle. Well, here's the thing about House of the Devil. There's not much mm -hmm. to talk about. Like, it's not a movie that you actively watch. It's a movie that you just kind of absorb because it's an hour of her fucking walking around a house. Just listening nothing to... Nothing happening. Listen to the fix on her headphones. Yeah, and that's that's okay. I, that's It's fine. They, it, the movie is about ambiance. Yeah. And for me, the thing that I like about this is when the actual ritual starts. Yeah. Because it's mm -hmm. cool. And then she kills everybody, and I, it's cool as fuck. But the thing is that watching it now, after all this time, I was like, ugh. I don't remember the pacing being this slow the when I watched it in the past. The really slow, but I do. The one thing I will give this, which I won't give the innkeepers, he does a very good job of like, as soon as you're starting to kind of feel bored with it, he just reveals just the tiniest little like kernel of like intrigue, be it like the bodies in the basement or like the picture in the vase. Like, 
Like, there's always these little moments where you're like, okay, okay, okay. Can we get this thing moving? It's like, ooh, what are those bodies? <laughs> like, he does a good job of, like, just drop in those little, little hints to keep you wanting to know, like, the full story. Because, like, I didn't remember anything about this movie except for the girl getting killed in the car. That was yeah. the only piece of this movie that I retained. So I was like, wait, who was that guy? I saw this three years ago, like three or four years ago for the, for first, the first time. time? And, I, and I was on a cult oh, kick, wow. so I watched a lot of movies for the first time. And so the, they always blend together. Obviously, The Witch, you can tell because of the time period. But some of the things, like, yeah. uh, every time I say, like, House of the Devil, even when I pick this, sometimes when I think I'm getting ready to watch it, I think of The Devil's Candy because I watched it, like, 48 hours after this. And I both enjoyed – I yeah. enjoyed both of them very much. The other thing that – you know, now that I think about it, just hearing Brian say House of the Devil, like, what a great title – for a movie that you're trying to pawn off is something that could have came out in 1982 Dude, or 83. Like I know, man. Like, like, it is so fitting for those like that era of filmmaking. And like I don't know if I ever want to do like a full Rob Zombie or this like with a movie, like try to make it look like it was from the 70s. But if I ever made horror movies, I would always have the title cards. So I just think they look so cool. They look really cool. I mean, it's almost the the thing that's the downside of House of the Devil as a title is that it's actually kind of too on the nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I love that you have this whole generation of like seventies and eighties movies where it's just like the name of the movie is like the bloody spawn of Satan, and then it's just like a werewolf yeah. movie. Like, yeah. it's just like, like I almost wish that like the House of the Devil was just like a slasher movie. Like it's because it would be so fitting with like that late seventies, early eighties. Like the name has to really invoke terror, even if it has nothing to do with yeah. the plot. Line. And the only thing that they did wrong with the intro, if they're trying to like convince you that you're watching a 70s movie is they definitely shot like the frames per second the shutter speed on their camera was way too fast and like you can even go back to like goodfellas like movies of that era when they do like the freeze frame in the intro they're so blurry because the cameras don't capture that well (laughs) and that's like almost the charm of it like these are too crystal clear when it like freeze frames at her do you think that's in editing though because they shot on 60 millimeters so like maybe they touched it up and maybe edit? maybe because it's like very hard because like you can tell when someone shoots like there's nothing that i hate more than like shooting something on hd and then trying to make it look grainy and old like it's fine when you do it brian for like little mm-hmm. like 10 30 second clips but like people who make like full movies like that it's like oh it never looks what you could do ideally it would just be i don't even know if cameras can go that low anymore because they're obviously trying to get better but if you could shoot like 18 frames per second and then when you bring it into editing edit it at 28 frames per second it'll give you like that like jittery 60 millimeter look because it's trying to go faster than the film actually is while we're getting real fucking film nerdy on this <laughs> yeah, this is the nerdiest <laughs> so, fucking uh, thing. Was, holy shit so as you both know i listen to commentary tracks to fall asleep uh and the commentary track that i'm currently falling asleep to gus van sant psycho movie wait he did the remake of psycho yeah yeah so wow. i even knew that yeah so he's no, talking about like the reasons why he made the movie and his thought process behind it but he dropped this little like film history tidbit that I never actually knew. But like he was talking about silent films. And he's like, the misconception of silent films is that those characters move quickly in those films. And he's like, but that's no, not the actual case. Up. Yeah, he's like, they were shot 
at normal speeds, but when it came time to transfer them to television, there was an error that caused the frame rates to move so quickly, but because they were goofy, silent films, no one thought anything, like, didn't think twice about it, was just like, yeah, transfer it like that, it'll make it funnier. But he's like, if you saw those silent films in the 20s, they would have played at regular film speed, not the sped up style that you're used to seeing with silent film. And I'm like, that's fucking wild. (laughs) Yeah, so I I obviously knew that they were sped up, but I didn't know that they weren't originally. So think about that when you're watching those Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton movies that they uh, used to go a lot slower. (laughs) Don't you mean Buster Poindexter? Yeah, I just can't (laughs) keep it together. Just can't keep them together. Uh, You know what, Scott? I'm so glad that you mentioned Buster Poindexter. For the people who don't get that reference, that is from a Patreon episode from last month where he talked about Snow Day. And on that episode, I told Scott that I could beat him in a race, possibly, because I was such a good sprinter. So anyway, about, (laughs) I would say approximately eight hours after that happened, I was hanging out with a friend and their kid. And their kid was playing a game that they like to play called Matt, Try to Catch Me, where he runs around in circles. And I like... What what are the rules? uh, He runs around and I try to catch him. But like, I obviously like, don't run very fast. I want to keep him energized. But at one point, I had this brilliant idea where I was like, ooh, he's on the other side of the couch. I'm going to jump over the couch and get to him. And then Chris Hansen came out and said, take a seat, man. <laughs> so I I run at the couch, and I put my hands on the back of the couch to jump over, and I miss the back of the couch and instead just push down the cushion on the couch and then knead my knee at full speed into the back of the couch. And then Matt, Uncle Matt was out of commission for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> it was so bad. The worst part, I don't know if it's adorable or depressing, but he went upstairs and then brought down an ice pack for a child and put it on my knee he's like i hope your knee feel better and then walked off and i was like oh no he was like yeah you're no fun anymore so here just take this yeah Yeah, take this ice pack and leave me alone you can go and die now uncle (laughs) stop being fun oh my god and as soon as it happened i'm like literally sitting there with an ice pack on my knee watching some cartoon on disney plus as he's running around in circles and thinking just a couple hours ago, I told Scott that I could beat him in a race. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt here, my friend. You were talking about speed, not dexterity. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I didn't say I wanted to run and do the hurdles. Fucking hurdles were... I tried them once, and I biffed so fucking bad. <laughs> you guys remember that, that that viral video of the lady stomping grapes, and then she s- falls over? Oh, my God, goes, do I ever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was me doing hurdles back into House of the Devil because she's wearing the exact Walkmans that she would have had in 1983 with the like those that the ones you would have bought at Radio Shack with the very thin metal headband. And then there were like that burnt orange foam around the earpieces. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's also what's frustrating about this movie for me is that like the set dressings are so good and like. The set dressings are great. Even her, like, water bottle is era appropriate. And I'm thinking, like, all that energy was expended on that and not the script, you know? Yeah, I was thinking about this because they they had to keep the movie under a million dollars. Like, that was their budget. And when I was watching the movie, as they started playing, like... Like, not that I think it's a huge song, but they're playing the breakup song. They're playing um, One Thing Leads to Another... And I was like, I don't think that even though these are like 
minor hits by one hit wonders. I don't think that they're cheap to get. So like then I'm sitting there I thinking think the like the royalties are probably less expensive than we think they are. Probably, know? but I'm still thinking about like how much of the budget went to like the songs or like you said the set dressing. Like like there was probably a lot of money just spent on like nonsense background stuff <laughs> cuz I know that they the reason she watches Night of the Living Dead is cuz it was oh, royalty yeah. free. It's always Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh, so, so here was the thing that I saw. I was like I know I read something. So obviously again not that I think that this was a huge chunk of money in the budget, but it said the Coke cups from the pizza place were purchased off of eBay for authenticity. So, like, even something as small as, like, we have to make sure that the Coke cups that the pizza place delivers well, that's, it's are immersive. the right era. Yeah. And they have, like, the shaky parm and pepper flake shakers that were, like, that bulbous round glass things that you – they're at every fucking pizza hut when I was a kid. Well, probably every pizza place in America, but like I remember them from Pizza Hut. I mean, I didn't, I never knew what shaky parm and pepper flakes were for until, you know, going to Pizza Hut and getting a personal pan pizza and eating half of it and then being like, I should be able to eat the whole thing, but I just can't because I'm a little waif, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I made some jokes earlier about our tangents, but I'm glad we had the tangents. I think this is a good episode. As long as you didn't check it out to listen to us talk about House of <laughs> but the Devil. Here's the thing. People don't care what our opinions are oh, on a never. big movie like House of the Devil. They probably don't care about our opinions on suspicion either. Or our superstition. <laughs> but superstition. Matt, let me let me do that again. They probably don't care. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know, they don't come to listen to us like break down a movie because that's not who we are and there are also probably 50 fucking podcasts in the last calendar year who have been like heard her house of the devil super great movie let's talk about how great the movie is yeah, we're not those we, guys we definitely learned there's a good reason it took us that five I years to figure it out but go on brian no i mean that i would refuse to talk about this movie other than saying that i like it because i think it's safe to assume that listeners and interacting on facebook are one and the same. So if I'm basing it off the people that interact on Facebook, at least 60% do not appreciate a slow burn. So I don't even want to piss them off. I don't know. I'm just going to be like, yeah, I like the movie. Now leave me alone. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, it's, it's so funny that I'm glad that you mentioned the listeners because I just had this moment while we were, while we were getting ready to record, I had Facebook open and I'm friends with a couple of the listeners of the show. And you know, someone was sharing a, a water painting that someone did of them in their husband's new house. And I was just like, it is insane to me that I would not know this person at all if not for me doing a podcast. But they have invited me into their lives for some reason. And it's just a very it's a very surreal thing when you build up relationships with some of the people that only know you because of a, a thing that you do as a hobby with your brother and friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I like I'm, that. Yeah. I'm such a creep, too, because I don't really interact with Instagram too much, but I do watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do see. You know? and, I, and, and I don't really know these people, but I'm just like, oh, Cody Tyler's in such a good relationship. What a guy. <laughs> no know? last names. No, he hits his Instagram they, handle. They just, you just made the, their day. They're sitting in their car like, he's talking about me. <laughs> Yeah, unless right before this episode comes out, they break up with their girlfriend and they're just like listening to, to fucking the cure. Crying, and like, and yeah. yeah. The podcast will cheer me up. Cody Taylor looks so happy in his relationship. <laughs> <laughs> 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. 
What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. Alright, so come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Uh, Alright, so if we have nothing else to say about House of the Devil, how about we talk some double features? I do have one thing. <laughs> I right. have the alternate movie title you guys want to hear it let's hear it mom jeans the movie Ooh, <laughs> oh. i like it brian what would your double feature with mom jeans the movie be i pulled the trigger too early mentioning it but i it was my idea going in which was uh the devil's candy Ah, very two two cult movies within three years of each other or four years of each other, whatever. I thought you were about and to steal mine because I was gonna say you're next. I, I think you're next Ooh. would be a, your a next fun... does feel like a yeah. 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 And you know, speaking of the devil's candy, those like red strawberry sucky candies that the that Greta or I don't know what her real name is or what her name is in Megan. The movie, um Megan. I should remember Fuck, oh, I hope she doesn't listen this far into the episode. No, that's the thing, is that she should listen this far into the episode and she should know that no one but her, yeah. no one but my There's wife is. No Megan. other Everyone Megan in is. your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know other Megans, but they don't come into my brain unless absolutely necessary you know so anyway i don't know if they still make those they must make those candies but you know what i'm talking about they're strawberry shaped candies hard yeah, outside with the, the soft and, yeah yes, that was so tactile that candy was such a visceral experience oh and and my double feature would be satanic panic because after a movie as heavy as house of the devil i want the same concept but i want it to be fun as fuck dude i still didn't watch that one i what watched the, the other one that you, oh we saw I, in the darkness yeah, dude, what a fucking... Let's get into it. Let's get into it. What did you watch this week? It was great. It was great, but it's going to lead into my actual what did I watch this week because I watched that like a month ago. But like sometimes, and I think it's going to leak into Scott's what did I watch this week. It's like <laughs> you go in thinking a movie's going to be something and it's nothing like you and nothing like you thought it was going to be, but so much better than you than what you could have thought of it to be. And that's that's how what we summon the darkness is to me. And then I watched the little things on HBO Max. Oh yeah, how was with, that? Uh, Did they always come around? I fucking ah. loved it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I loved it. If you are into true crime, like if you're someone who's like really into true crime, then you'll love it. I know a lot of people hated it for the ending, which I won't get into, and then for the part where like, spoiler, just so everyone knows going into it, you don't see a single murder in this movie. This movie is 100% like post-murder going to crime scenes. It's all about like the investigation, which I fucking love. But I think that's why a lot of people hated it. Where's the violence? <laughs> exactly. You know, but it, it was really good. And I'm hoping that, well, next week we'll be recording Saturday. So I'm hoping the following week, I could, I'm loving HBO Max, to be honest, because I'm really excited <laughs> to watch fucking Judas and the Black Messiah. I, all I know is it's called Judas, but like, yeah. I, it might that might be the full title. I might yeah. be getting, yeah. I, I think I'm getting Peacock soon because WWE Network is officially going mm-hmm. away entirely, but it's just going to be merged into Peacock. But when I was looking, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to pay for Peacock, what else is on there? 
And, like, I knew it would be some NBC shows, but I got real excited when I saw that they have, like, the original Alfred Hitchcock Presents anthology mm-hmm. series or the great American hero. So mm-hmm. believe it or not. I'm exactly, dude, you're going to, I never thought I'd be, be so free. free. I would say like maybe post episode 300 strap in for Matt to be talking about TV shows from the 60s, 70s and 80s that he recently binged on Peacock. Oh my God. But and the worst part is you just, you feel a need to start something. And then and I can't even not if finish it. Yeah. yeah. I have to, like you're like, it. I watched all of Lizzie mcguire it was terrible and i'm like so why did you it's like six seasons long <laughs> lizzie mcguire wasn't terrible it was hannah montana that was hannah really montana oh guys speaking of tv shows that i i binged so i just finished literally this morning finished crazy ex-girlfriend on netflix and that is like a very i don't know how to recommend that show i was kind of begrudgingly watching the first two seasons like i was like ah some of these songs are okay and whatever but then like season three shit gets real and i was like oh i'm really really into this show and its message the best way that i can explain it is that the word crazy in the title references to four different phases of crazy be it like crazy stalker in a season and then crazy in love in a season and then crazy for vengeance in a season but what it all slowly is building to is the last season season four where it's crazy in the sense that this is rachel bloom's story of her own struggles with having a personality disorder it starts to really tackle like these incredible like broadway level musical numbers about depression and anxiety but like they're still really funny but like the big song that i would tell people to to listen to if you've ever struggled with depression and you want to see if this show's for you listen to the song that's written to sound like the big show stopper song in any musical called you ruined everything you stupid bitch (laughs) which is like her at her lowest the arrangement for the song is amazing and the lyrics are so dark and so, like, like you're listening to it and you're just like, ooh, I've been there. <laughs> like, if you've ever struggled with any mental health stuff, it is actually a really powerful, inspirational show. But it takes a long time to get going. So it's like, I don't know, start on season three and just watch the uh, the first two season recap at the start of se- episode one. Because I, I, I don't know. I don't think that there's enough in those first two seasons to really matter. And it's also really funny with fourth wall breaks. I think it's almost too much because like I gave Megan and I watched maybe three or four episodes of the first season and gave up on it. You know, I like Rachel Bloom's style of comedy in three minute increments. That's why I thought she was cool back in the, when she got YouTube famous, but I just couldn't really care enough to get through the show. And like, that's my problem. You and Chris were talking about, some some song off of it. I think it's the I like you. You're my best friend, but I'm not yours, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and so it put me down that rabbit hole of watching a bunch of just the musical numbers and being like, okay, well, may, this is what I would go to the show for. And I don't. I it's don't know, not man. for I everybody. Know. I mean, it is. No, it I, is I want it to be C, for me, but it's not. It's a CW show to the truest level of being a CW mm-hmm. show. Like. Dude, that's why I can't stand it. <laughs> I have never met a CW show that I can honestly say I enjoy. You know, like, I loved The Flash for, like, half a season. And then I was like, well, I hope it gets better. (laughs) You know, and that's, like, every fucking CW show. There's the option if you guys are depressed and you want to feel, like, a sense of power. 
Uh, I also want to give you another option that I think Scott will back me up with is if you're feeling depression and you don't want to change that, you can also listen to all of Sirenson's and Condolences <laughs> and the Bayside self-titled album like we do. <laughs> yeah, dude. But particularly, um, Don't Call Me Peanut. Yeah. Uh, God damn. That and a synonym for Acquiesce are the two ones that are just like... I will, I will throw out one other song to recommend just because I do think it's A, very catchy, it'll get stuck in your head, and it's an important message to be out there anyway, which is the song Antidepressants Are So Not A, bi- not a Big Deal. It's just a song about how way more people are on antidepressants than you think are, and you shouldn't feel weird for having to take them. But I want to be special in my mental health issues. It's a good catchy one uh, with the lyric, antidepressants are so common that in fact it's the only thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. And, and you know, I just, I, you know, for anybody that might have missed the 12 previous months where I probably shared, I am on an SSRI, so I can make that joke, okay? Yeah. hey, listen, mm-hmm. I think that, hey, my name's Matt, if this is your first time listening to Horror Movie Night, we don't really talk about horror movies that much, but we do get deep <laughs> into our mental health struggles, so strap in and enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, but see a uh, therapist yeah. or psychiatrist, therapist? please, yeah, we, because we, we I cannot went to, do it for you. A, yeah. I know, I went to a PCP, and they threw me on uh, Wellbutrin, and it ruined my life. Oh, um, Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking no. Yeah. No, but that is, I mean, if there, there's only a handful of messages that we truly have uh, over here at Horror Movie Night, but I think they could be broken down to love yourself, love others, and try to take care of yourself, even if that means therapy and pills. It's A-OK. God, what have you watched recently that you want to talk about? So a- after everybody is, is jettisoned from this episode, um, because that was the, the, the high point of it, I'm just going to tell you uh, what, what I assume Brian knows that I want to talk about is uh, that because he was like, oh, you start it thinking it's one thing and then find out it's another. You're talking about Psycho Goreman, right? No. Okay, well, I have two that I watched <laughs> that I had. The one I'm pissed because I think Matt hasn't watched and I was really excited for us to dive in. Well, But there's two down. What is that? Uh, Promising Young Woman. Okay, yeah. That, I, I, <laughs> did you watch that? I, yeah. I did not. Uh, yeah. God Matt, you damn. stink. Watch it, Matt, so what we can it, talk about what it What is it week. on, actually? I've seen people you have on to rent it. End. Yeah. No, it's like 15 bucks. But, okay. <laughs> it's $20, but it is... You liked Uncut Gems. I mean, I didn't watch Uncut Gems, but I because I understood that it was a 90 or two-hour-long panic attack, and basically, like, Promising Young Woman feels like that, too. Two-hour-long panic attack. Because, like... Here, okay, so Katie asked me if it was worth watching, and I'm like, it's absolutely worth watching, but I have to, like, qualify it, okay? So, Promising Young Woman is a phenomenal movie. The set dressing is amazing. The pacing is insanely good. The acting is incredible. Bo Burnham is in it, and I was like, my roller coaster of emotions with his character was, why the fuck did they put Bo Burnham in this? Why is he trying to be a real actor? Oh my god, perfect casting. Holy shit, this is really difficult to watch. And then, fuck you. <laughs> so I, I feel like here's my qualification for if you should watch Promising Young Woman. It depends on your level of sexual abuse PTSD as a woman. There are two kinds. I, I feel like there are going to be two demographics of women who have been either 
sexually abused or have been, you know, friends. I mean, like, what is it? It's like nine out of 10 women have either been sexually abused or know someone who has. I mean, it's 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 so disgustingly prevalent. So more likely than not, you are going to have, as a woman, a visceral reaction to this movie. I had a visceral reaction to the movie as well. Obviously, I'm not a sexual abuse survivor. Um, I'm a straight man. Well, maybe not, obviously, but I'm just putting it out there. I'm not a sexual abuse survivor. But it was it was ass puckeringly painful to watch 90% of the time because everybody's terrible except for the main character. And so like it may trigger you if you have PTSD from a sexual abuse event or it may feel empowering to you because you have PTSD from a sexual abuse event. So that's a decision that you, the listener needs to make for yourself. I think that every straight white man needs to rewatch this fucking movie. And if you have a, a, a female partner that you can watch it with, I think you should watch it with them and you should shut your fucking mouth and listen to them when they talk about how it makes them feel because it is going to be cathartic in one way or another for them. Uh, it's a really important movie. It's not a movie that I ever want to grace my eyes again, if that makes sense. All right. But you were also going to talk about Psycho Goreman? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't watch that either. <laughs> the movie is definitely going to do it for a lot of people that listen to our show. I know because we've talked about it on the podcast or on the, the Facebook group. But for me, Astron 6 is really fucking annoying. I never want to watch anything from Astron 6 again. And then people were like, oh, I mean, even Mario texted me and was like, you need to watch Astro Go- or uh, Psycho Goreman. And he showed me the trailer and I watched 30 seconds of the two minute trailer. I'm like, fuck it. I'm in. Yeah. And then... I I get to the 30 minute mark and I'm like I feel tired. Like I, I <laughs> now so, like emotionally so I, drained. I own both Father's Day and Mamborg and I think I've watched both of them once, but I feel like correct me if I'm wrong, they are like tonally very different movies though, right? Not particularly. I would say that The Void is the only Astron 6 related movie that has a tonal shift from what they're known for. Okay. Because I was like, I remember, I feel like I remember Father's Day being, like, more gritty and dark, whereas, like, Mamborg was, like, basically just a bunch of dudes trying to see if they could make the movie arena for, like, $100. Yes, but also I think Father's Day is very, so Father's Day is, like, that really sick black humor of, like, frat boys who've had three beers. Yeah. And so it dovetails perfectly with promising young woman that it is a it's a real rough watch if you have emotions and a brain (laughs) (laughs) all right so that was house of the devil from 2009 as picked by brian next week we will be talking about a part four we don't talk about them too much around these parts But man, are we ever going to talk about a part four next week. So tune in for that. Piper, Patrick Lacey, S.E. Howard, Waylon Jordan, and Jeremy Herbert. Five acclaimed authors of horror and dark fiction. Their twisted tales appeared in the acclaimed horror anthology Worst Laid Plans from Grindhouse Press. 
Now, their tales of vacation terror are coming to the big screen in a feature film adaptation from Genre Blast Films. Five acclaimed genre filmmakers will bring these stories to life. Samantha Koyesnik, John Hale, Vanessa Yonto Wright, Michael Escobedo, and Jeremy Herbert. Worst Laid Plans. Now crowdfunding on Indiegogo. This is one vacation you'll be dying to take. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. <laughs> all right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.